At this time, let us seek the Lord and uh, ask him to help us understand his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this day which belongs to you. And we thank you for the people here who belong to you. There is nothing in this universe on which you cannot say, this is mine. Everything is yours. And all things exist for your glory. And this morning we pray that you open the eyes of our heart to behold your glory in the scripture. Because the Holy Scripture is all about you. And we are so glad to be a part of your grand design of creation. And thank you for making us in your image. Thank you for sending your son to die for our sins so that you would conform us to your image. And we pray that you help us to rejoice in you. And through this word, may our souls be uplifted. Let the church be revived. And pray that your name be glorified. Come, O Lord, speak to our hearts. And open the eyes of our heart. And seal us with your word. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11. And today I will be focusing only on verse 3. Generally, we believe that in expositional sermon, you need to take a passage and uh, cover the passage so that the thought of the author would be predominant in your sermon. And uh, today in verse 3, why I would like to spend time only on this and bring insights from this verse because it has a lot to do with the present generation which is confused about the universe, about the creation, and much of what is taught in the schools today and parroted in the television and media is quite anti-biblical. And I would like to take this moment to help you understand how the world that we are living in has gone astray from biblical revelation and at the same time how we need to cling to the authority of the word of God. So... What I would like to tell you is that this is not a classic expositional sermon as I regularly preach, but at the same time, all the main factors that I would like to bring are from this verse, and I believe it would be a great encouragement to your hearts. I have entitled this sermon, God, Universe, and Faith. God, Universe, and Faith. I'm reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, from verses 1 to 3. And I would like to ask you also to lift up your voice and read together as we meditate on this passage. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. We see the background again to let you know why the author is saying here, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Why is he saying that? And the Bible scholars who dug the background of this book 
they give us the understanding that as the readers and the recipients of this letter were primarily Jews and converted Jews and these people because of persecution of their newly found faith in the Lord Jesus Christ they were tempted to draw back from faith and go back to Judaism they were only focusing on the present comforts and escaping the current pain and the author of Hebrews throughout the book he was exalting that Christ is supreme Christ is the one you need and the reason he speaks about faith is that although you are not seeing what you believe but the day is coming that you will receive eternal glory and eternal inheritance and until then you persevere in your faith don't go back there is a great reward for you and in that mentioning he says in verse 3 which has a lot for us to meditate upon and learn by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of god so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible i would like to argue why the author after mentioning that for by it for by faith the people of old received their commendation and after that he speaks about who are these people of old he speaks about enoch and abel and abraham and on and on then after mentioning the people of old and then explaining why did he in the middle bring out this verse that by faith we believe that the universe was created by the word of god i will hold that thought for a while until i come to that but there are some things that i would like to mention before i come to that understanding the first thing that i would like to argue from this verse 3 by faith we understand that the universe was created and there is a big debate here in our present day generation whether the universe always existed or did it have a beginning the first thing that we understand from the word of god is that the universe has the beginning the universe has the beginning because the bible tells you that by faith we understand that the universe was created when the scripture says the universe was created before creation there was no universe universe is the creation universe has the beginning universe is finite no matter how gigantic it is the thing is that it is finite it is not eternally existing and the bible declares very clearly about that i was reading one of the popular uh, news that we have in india is economic times and uh, you know this media has a big impact on the generation and sometimes it also reflect the philosophy of people and in this economic times i saw the question the question is who created the universe and in that the writer parmahamsa sri nityananda he wrote this christianity and islam adopted the judaic version of creation as laid out in the book of genesis god made the universe in 6 days and rested on the 7th 
He created man and from the man's rape made the woman. Well versed with the Bible. Hindu mythology has a different version. So do other cultures and religions. Buddha said, and Buddha was not a Hindu. He included Buddha in Hinduism, but actually Buddhism is different from Hinduism for they reject the authority of Vedas. But then he says, Buddha said, universe was never created. Universe will never die. Universe has been in existence always and will be in existence always. Sanatana Dharma, the philosophy of Hinduism, supports Buddha. The Brahman always was, is and will be. Brahman is existence. Existence is the universe. There never was a time it did not exist and there never will be a time it would not exist. And this is very prominent in the culture that we live today is that universe always existed. It is eternal. There was never a time it was, it was not and there never a time that will be in the future where it will be not. It is always. But that's against the biblical revelation. And we need to be cautious about the times that we are living in, about the philosophies that we are surrounded with, and about the impact that is having upon people today. We need to soak our minds in biblical revelation. And biblical revelation says that creation has a beginning. Creation is finite. Creation is not eternal. And that goes in line, in fact, science to a great extent. When I say science, science is not a person. But many scientists support the idea that creation has a beginning. For example, Albert Einstein's theory of relativity, where space and time are connected, says that and reveals that the universe had a beginning and was not eternal. As he had previously believed, Einstein believed previously that the universe was eternal and later he realized his blunder and he came to the conclusion that universe has a beginning. His theory proved that the universe is not a cause but instead one big effect. Something brought it into existence. And I know that we people are not for Big Bang Theory. But one good thing about Big Bang Theory, you know what? It is that the Big Bang Theory is how astronomers explain the way the universe began. At least in that we can rejoice that the Big Bang Theory proves that universe had a beginning. It is not eternal. It has come into existence in some time. So we see that according to science and many scientists claim that universe had a beginning. Especially, you know, the atheists particularly reject this idea of universe has a beginning and they cling to old, you know, universe where universe always was eternal because they want to reject the idea that there is God. But we see that biblically that is not true. And it comes and then brings us to the second point, second factor, that if universe was not eternally existing, if universe had the beginning, then who brought into existence? The Bible in this verse makes it very clear that God is the cause of the universe. God is the cause of the universe. 
You know, one news that I was reading, the article which says about the Big Bang theory is that the Big Bang was the moment 13.8 billion years ago when the universe began as a tiny, dense fireball that exploded. Boom! Most astronomers use the Big Bang theory to explain how the universe began. Now, you need to understand that the Big Bang theory is only one of the theories. It's not the only theory that the astronomers used to explain how the universe began. One of the theories, but very prominent, which is very familiar, we all know that. But what caused the, this explosion in the first place is still a mystery. They can't explain that. How did it happen? For them it's a mystery, but Bible solves that mystery. Uh, there are Christian Big Bang Theory also. Do you know that? There are theologians and Christians who believe that Big Bang Theory so uh, they don't believe that the universe came into existence by itself, but called, God used the Big Bang to bring the universe into existence. That's how there are some Christian people who believe in Big Bang. I remember uh, once listening to uh, the Christian apologist saying that, can you believe that because of a big blast in a printing press, a dictionary came into existence? Do you believe that? Boom, one blast happened. And dictionary came into existence. I mean, no one in his sane mind believed. How can we believe that the universe which has seasons and man is a reasonable creature and everything if you see in the world is in such an order, believe that it came out of random. Nobody can believe that because the order that we see, the design that we see, the intelligence that we see in the world compels us to believe that there is an intelligent being behind this universe. You know, I had the great privilege of spending time uh, one day with uh, one of the great Christian apologists of our time. And uh, I remember going along with him and sitting in his lecture in the university I didn't understand anything that he said. He is such a great scholar, William Lane Craig. And he wrote a book, The Kalam Cosmological Argument. He wrote this book in 1979, okay, by philosopher William Lane Craig. And he argues that whatever begins to exist has a cause. Hear this carefully. Whatever begins to exist has a cause that caused it to begin to exist. And he argues that this cause is a personal creator who changelessly and independently will the beginning of the universe. We see that here that everything that has a beginning has a cause. And some people say that, uh, oh, in that case then God, who created God? Now, we need to understand that the statement is that everything that has a beginning has a cause, has a beginning. God had no beginning. He is an uncaused cause. If he, if he had a beginning, then you can say who created God. But God is the eternal being. The Holy Bible reveals he is the uncaused cause of all things that exist. But when we talk about the universe, we say that since universe had a beginning, it should also have a cause. Because everything that has a beginning should have a cause. And that cause is none but the creator of the heavens and the earth. And that is what we say in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe, right? The same Greek word I will show you 
used in Hebrews 1.1 also, that the universe was created by the word of God. It is God who created. And right at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 1, he also says that the universe was created by the Son of God. We see that long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Verse 2, but in these last days he spoke to us by his son. And who is the son? Who is this Messiah? Whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through whom also he created the world. Christ is the creator of the world. And it says that, it says world here. The same Greek word is used in the universe. Generally, the Greek word for world is cosmos. But here, the different Greek word is used which speaks about the entire universe, not just the planet Earth, but the whole universe was created by God. But what does the word universe mean here? Now hear this. When the word universe is used, everything that contains space, matter, and energy is the universe. And everything that has space, matter, and energy has been created by God. And if you want a commentary on what universe does look like and what are the things that God has created is more well explained in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 to 17. He gives a commentary on what universe means. He says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 to 17, For by Christ all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Do you see? The universe is everything that is in heaven. When I say heaven, it is not the abode of God that we think about. It is sky. Everything that you see in space. The planets, the sun, the moon, the stars, the everything that you see there. And even everything that you see on earth. The birds, the trees, the mountains, the waters, the animals, the creatures in the water, the creatures that walk on the ground, the creatures that fly in the sky. Everything has been created by God. And it also says visible and invisible. The light, air. That we cannot see. Even the time we cannot see. Everything has been created by the Lord of the heavens and the earth. Now another thing that we should also understand as we are living in a pagan heathen nation is that. When the Bible speaks about everything has been created by God. The Bible makes it very clear. The fact that the creation was created by God or the universe was created by God or everything has been created by God is distinct from the creator. Are you understanding? Everything that exists is distinct from the creator. God is, the Bible describes that, He is the most high God. He is a transcendent being. He is highly exalted. You cannot compare Him with anything. Why? Because we see in the culture that we live in has a degraded understanding of God. That universe and God 
are the same. But the Bible reveals that they both are distinct. For example, in our culture, pantheism is very popular. And what is pantheism? It's a Greek word. Pan means all. Theism means God. That means God is all and all is God. And there is another philosophy that we see in our culture which is panentheism. Which means little different from pantheism. Pantheism says that all is God, God is all. But panentheism says that God is in everything. That is the reason we see people worshipping rocks. They worship animals. They worship trees. Because panentheism says that God is in everything. Yes, God is distinct. Little different. God is distinct but he is also in everything. He is in us. He is in trees. You can worship anything. Because you are not just worshipping that creature. You are worshipping God himself. But the Bible says that no, no, no. God is the creator of everything. God is distinct from everything. And God is not in everything. God is not in everything. For example, we see how God apologetically argues in Isaiah chapter 40 when people equated him with the creation. He was so divinely jealous of his being and you can see throughout the Old Testament you read Isaiah and Jeremiah he apologetically argues that don't equate me with the creation. I am different. Pantheism, panentheism is anti-biblical. We see in Acts chapter 40. And you see verse 18 how it describes. And these are the words of God. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compares with him? An idol? A creation of man? A craftsman casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains? He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot he seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. He says, those who are rich makes gold. Those who are poor makes wood. Do you not know? Come on, people. Do you know who am I? Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? We see there are four questions when I read Bible, one thing that I really get excited when I read the Bible is God is a God who questions. He questions his creation. Do you know who am I? Have you not heard about who am I from the beginning? Do you understand who is your maker? He says, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Who brings princes, the presidents, the prime ministers, the chief ministers, the MLS, the MPs. He brings them to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Again you see the question, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Don't belittle him. Don't downgrade him to the creation. I am above the whole creation. And all the creation is like a drop in a bucket. Whom will you liken me? With whom will you compare? I am the Lord who is distinct. 
high and above, transcended. You cannot compare me with anything because I am incomparable. God is incomparable. That is why idolatry is a dangerous sin. Because you degrade who God is to a mere creation. That has no eyes to see, that has no mouth to speak, that has no legs to walk. And God says that is a dangerous sin. I wish our people understand who the living God is. And let's pray for their salvation. That is the goal of evangelism. That is the goal of why we preach the gospel. Why? Because people would be saved from delusions and lies about who God is and come to worship the one and the only true God who made the heavens and the earth. And that they would realize how great is the God of the Holy Bible. Recently I was having a discussion with an agnostic and uh, in his conversation he said that science says that there is no God, science says that and all he said then. Then I, I told him that science doesn't say anything because science is a study. It is the people who do science, they are the ones who claim. There are scientists who claim there is God, there are scientists who claim there is no God. But actually, when I was uh, looking at the National Academy of Sciences, what science says about God and the creation, you need to understand how honestly these people talk about it. It says that, follow carefully the argument and when someone says science disproves, you need to stand up and question them. Do you understand what you are speaking? Does science disprove the existence of God? Science doesn't have the processes to prove or disprove the existence of God. The process of study is not about God. It is only, it says that science studies and attempts to explain only the natural world while God in most religions is supernatural. Science is a powerful tool for understanding and explaining the mechanisms and dynamics of the universe. But science can't examine or explain the purpose of the universe. It says that it's a mystery. We don't know. That's a question that falls under theology and philosophy. Don't bring science and say that science disproves God. That is not the business of science. Science can, according to the Bible, declares the glory of God, but science in itself doesn't make. For example, I made a statement uh, when he said that, to claim that science disproves God's existence is like saying, math says murder is a crime. Math says murder is a crime. What will you say when I say math says murder is a crime? There is no connection at all. Math is different. Law is different. You are bringing math into the law. Science cannot prove or disprove that there is God. It only says, I'm talking only the study of it. It says, we can use the science and there may be a, a beginning. But who is it? We need to come to the special revelation of God. Which is the Holy Bible. And the Bible proves that there is beginning for the universe and God is the creator of that universe. For example, those who claim that uh, science or scientists don't believe in God, they have no understanding that so many things that have been invented in this world were Christian scientists. And at least they believed in God. Maybe they were not Christians, but they at least believed that there is God who is behind the universe. For example, the following scientists I would like to quote 
we can quote many many quotes in fact when i was in washington dc recently i went to a bible museum and there is a separate department there where all kinds of scientists who claimed about who god is and when i looked at it what a great encouragement it was that even scientists many scientists claim that they believe in the creator for example scottish irish physicist sir william thomson he is very famous uh, for the formulation of the first and second laws of thermodynamics and he said that do not be afraid of being free thinkers if you think strongly enough you will be forced by science to the belief in god you see them these are scientists if you think strongly enough you would be forced by science to the belief in god which is the foundation of all religion you will find science not antagonistic against but helpful through religion another scientist that we know very famous sir isaac newton was an english mathematician physicist astronomer and alchemist and you see what he claimed this most beautiful system of the sun planets and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being they believe that there is the creator behind this universe another example philo t farmsworth american inventor of electronic television in 1927 today we have television almost many of us abuse it and not use it properly but it is invented by philo farmsworth and he said that i know and you see the humility in these words i know that i have never invented anything i had been a medium by which these things were given to the culture as fast as culture could earn them i gave the credit to god again we see raymond damadian who is an inventor of the mri wow what a great blessing mri ct scan we know but mri do you know that it is invented by raymond damadian who said as christians we believe god has placed us here to actually make a difference in the world for me i have found a way through scientific discovery <laughs> wow it is through scientific discovery that i want to demonstrate to the world and whatever i have done it is by the grace of god and now he has become a roaring lion now previously for many many years he was hidden and now you see on youtube on the website this guy says that i was very silent but someone triggered him and i'm not going to keep silent dr james tour is a professor of chemistry and mechanic engineering and computer science at rice university wikipedia says that this james tour was ranked one of the 10 top chemists in the world you should see now the way he speaks and how he has come out and vehemently fights against atheists and those critics who doubt the bible and in his book faith of a scientist you can read his book faith of a scientist if you want to it's a very short book and in it he writes as a scientist when posed with scientific mysteries that have presented themselves in my research i have so often bowed my heart and prayed lord make your light shine on this darkness when no others can see please lord let me see on many occasions when graduate students have brought their puzzling laboratory results and laid them on my desk i have been as baffled as they so remembering psalm 1124 which i had long before committed to memory i pray for light and god answers 
Surely, meditating on God's word can cause light to arise in darkness, even for the challenges that confront our secular careers. You see how these people are filled with the spirit and the word of God, and they are scientists. And I was so amazed to know that he begins his day six days a week at 3.30 a.m. in the morning, and he reads the Bible every day for two hours. He's not a pastor and a preacher. Even pastors don't do that. And this guy, he's a scientist, and he reads the Bible for two hours, and then he starts his work at 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. in the lab. Wives will be questioning, asking a question, was he helpful in the kitchen? I don't think so. He had any time for that, <laughs> if you look at his schedule. And I want to conclude with uh, another uh, <clears throat> you know, inventor of our time, Economic Times, just to encourage you, Pat Gelsinger, an American engineer and CEO of Intel, who contributed to the development of Intel 486 processor and served as a key figure behind modern computer revolution. He played a very vital role behind the modern computer revolution. And you know what he claims? I believe we all work for God, not for a boss or for the president of the company. I saw a big headline on Economic Times. I work for God, not for boss. Wow, what a great declaration. I wish Christians would rise to such high level of influence where they claim that we believe in God and that's the reason I am faithful. He says that, my highest priority is my daily time with God. I make my time to pray wherever I may be. When I travel, I have my prayer time on the way to the airport. It's a 45-minute drive, and I start by singing a few hymns and then pray through the Acts acronym. Acknowledgement, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, which is a popular form of prayer. When someone asks me, aren't you golfing on Sundays? I don't deflect the question. I say, I have decided to prioritize my relationship with God and I'm committed to being in church. I prioritize my relationship with God and I'm committed to being in the church on Sundays than golfing. These are the great people of our time. <clears throat> so what we understand is that the creation had a beginning and God is the creator of that universe. And the third factor. The third factor that we see in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Literally what this phrase is saying is that by means of the word of God, the universe was created. By means of the word of God. The universe was created. What does it mean, the word of God? We see that explanation more clearly in Psalm 148. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his hosts. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him all you shining stars. Praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded, observe the phrase, for he commanded, and they, who are they here? They, the heavens, the heights, angels, hosts, sun, moon, shining stars, highest heavens, waters above the heavens, all these are commanded by God 
and they came into existence. Genesis 1, if you read, six times it says in the context, you can say many times it says, even more than six times, but it's a conversation between the Trinity that we believe. But in the context of creation, six times it says, God said, and it was so. He said, let there be light, and the light came into existence. Let there be creatures above the ground, in the sea, and in the air, and the creatures came into existence. Let there be vegetation. And these things came into existence. Everything that he commanded and the things came into existence. So when the Bible says by the word of God, it means by the command of his mouth. He commanded and things came into existence. And the grand thing about God is that he commands out of nothing. And things come into existence. We see that in Romans chapter 4 verse 17. How it supports this grand majesty of God. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed. It speaks about Abraham that he believed in God. And he believed that God will make him the father of many nations. But it describes who this God is. Who is this God? Who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Do you know who our God is? He is a God who calls into existence the things that do not exist. No man has the power to do that. Only God can create. Man only invents out of something. Only God brings into existence out of nothing. And why did God create the universe by his word? We have a, uh, you know, there is a Latin phrase which is called... Ex nihilo, nihil fit. Which means, out of nothing, nothing comes. Out of nothing, nothing comes. And the famous phrase that we have in the Christendom is ex nihilo. Which is a Latin phrase which means that the term creation ex nihilo means God created everything out of nothing. He didn't create by nothing. And nothing comes out of nothing. It is God who said, and everything came into existence. That's exactly what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. He says, what does it mean by the word of God? He says that by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen, whatever you see in this universe was not made out of things that are visible. In other words, he's telling that God created the entire universe out of nothing by the power of his word. Now here is a question, people. If there was nothing, what is the only way that God could create? It is only by the word of his mouth. Or else he has to use something in order to create. If something should be used in order to create, if something to create, it should be existing before the creation. But since God alone is eternal and everything has come into existence, the only way God could create is by just commanding because there was nothing in this world out of which he can create something. That makes perfect sense. And finally, the author says here that by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. 
Let us all read this once again. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Okay? Shall we all read together? By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. Now I told you, right? After mentioning about people of old, they all were commended because of their faith. And then he speaks about who were these people of old. Why in the middle he is speaking about that by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Why did he bring this issue? Now, As, as, I, was, as I was wrestling with this uh, passage about why he was using, it made sense to me in the context. Now, what is the greatest miracle in the Bible? You know what is the greatest miracle in the Bible? More than anything, it is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. More than the dead raising, more than the blind seeing, more than anything that you see, even the Red Sea being torn apart, or the sun standing still, or the donkey speaking, we see many miracles. Out of all the miracles, the greatest miracle is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And what does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything out of nothing. If you believe Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, you should be able to believe anything that the word of God says. Because that is the foundation. If you say that, I don't think so. I believe in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, but I will believe other things. You don't believe what the Bible says. Because that is the greatest miracle in the Holy Bible, the creation. It's a grand, magnificent work of the almighty hand of God. And then after he mentions that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then he points out to people that, you know, you understand that by faith God created the whole universe. The stars, the moon and the sun and the planets and the, and the creatures on the ground, in the air, in the water. If you believe this, do you know what is the second greatest miracle of God? The new heavens and the new earth for which we are all awaiting. If God could create the whole universe out of nothing, do you doubt he is about to give us the eternal inheritance? Do you doubt there would be this new heavens and the new earth? Do you doubt about the eternal, in, eternal life that God is about to give us? It seems that he is pressing his argument about if God could create this universe he is about to create the new heavens and the new earth, new earth. And by faith we understand. We don't see it now. But that is what faith is. But one day God will reward us. And this is available only through faith in the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody can enter into this new heavens and the new earth just because it is existing. No. One has to repent and believe that I'm a sinner, that I trust in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose from the dead because of which I have this hope of eternal life. And people who are outside of this belief in the gospel, there is eternal damnation for them. I remember Augustine was asked, uh, what was God doing before he created the universe? What was God doing before he created the universe? He said that he was creating hell for curious souls. <laughs> and he says here that by faith 
we understand. Now, see the word here, understand. That means, by faith, we grasp the knowledge. We see there is a connection between faith and knowledge. Now, hear this carefully. Knowledge is not independent of faith. And faith is not independent of knowledge. Faith is not believing in emptiness. Faith is believing in the knowledge that you have. That is exactly what Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. If you ask people, why do you believe so and so? They say that, I just believe it. Bible doesn't speak about such kind of empty, stupid, nonsensical faiths. It speaks about reasonable faiths. By faith, we understand. And when, when the author is using about we understand, he's speaking about intellectual perception, not emotional perception. We understand. We, we hear the knowledge. We reason with it. And now we understand. By faith, we understand. The world says that I need to understand in order to believe. But Bible says that you need to have faith in order to understand. Because without faith, you cannot understand the things of God. And this understanding is not an emotional perception or claims. It is an intellectual reason, verifiable, verified knowledge that we are speaking about. You know, I love what Augustine said of the 4th century. He said that faith is an essential ingredient of knowledge. Faith is an essential ingredient of knowledge. In fact, he came up with a Latin phrase which is credo ut intelligum, which means I believe in order to understand. And that is what the author has been arguing here. You must believe in order for you to understand. And by faith we understand that the universe was created by the power of the word of God. And this biblical faith is not wishful thinking that I just wish it that it was created by God and it came into existence. That's not what the Bible says. And it is not blind trust based on ignorance. No, the Bible never. You can have a blind faith and it could be true. But that is not the argument of the Bible. The argument of the Bible is that when you have faith, you should have reasonable knowledge for that. So when the Bible is speaking about reasonable faith, which means since there must be a cause for all effect, because effect, effect doesn't exist by itself, there must be a cause. Since there must be a cause of all effect, since the Holy Bible is proven to be the word of God and is flawless. If people have doubts about it, there are dozens of books that have been written how the Holy Bible is inerrant. Now I used to tell to some people, people who think that they just sit and question the Bible, but they never labor to understand the claims of the Bible. They say that I don't believe in the Bible. Why? Because I don't believe so and so. But they don't have the labor to really research on that. But if you research on that, we see that out of all the books of the Bible, all the books that we see in the world, Bible is the proven word of God. And since the Holy Bible is proven to be God's word and is flawless, and since we know that Jesus is a historical person whose claims are true, heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will never pass away. If that is so, it is a reasonable thing for us to believe what God says about the past and the present and the future. 
It is a reasonable thing to believe. Now here is my challenge to those who don't want to believe. Think about this. Even if you, if some people say that, I don't believe what God's word says, they still have faiths. Now, there are people who say that only Christians are the people who have faith. Others don't have faith. No, any person who claims anything about the origin of the universe claims by faith. Not because he was there at the origin of the universe because of which he is claiming. It is by faith. For example, if a person says universe is eternal, it is by faith. It is by faith he claims that the universe is eternal. And if a person says that universe exists by itself, it is by faith. He has to claim that universe exists by eternal. And if he says that the universe came into existence through Big Bang, it is by faith. Was he there when the bang happened? How do you know that? Oh, whatever people give the reasons, ultimately you believe. Now, what I want to tell you people is that it's not that we are the only foolish people according to them who have faith. Even you have faith. If something that you are not there in order to see and you have faith to believe in what you say, then if you think that that is what stupid is, you are also a stupid. In fact, you need greater faith. In fact, you have greater faith than me. Because you believe that something came out of nothing without any cause. There must be a great faith for that. Because we believe that there is a cause for the effect. And that is the God of the heavens and the earth. And I remember someone said that atheists have greater faith than Christians. Because you need greater faith to believe that there is no God. And everything happens by accident. So let us not be taken away saying that these people when they say it's blindness and all these things, reason with them. Christianity is the most reasonable faith in the entire world. I want to close with what uh, Dr. Robert Jastrow, Jastrow, maybe you can say that, astrophysicist said. I don't think he is a Christian, and, uh, but what he said is very interesting. He was an astronomer and physicist, and he wrote a book, Good God and the Astronomers. And in that, this is what he said. I want to close with this quotation because I found it very intriguing. And this is what he said. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. Let's all stand and pray. And thank God for his marvelous creation. There is one thing that I want to tell you, brothers and sisters. The God who created the heavens and the earth and who holds the entire universe is holding you. Everything is in control. Even if you think things are out of control, he is in control. And I call you to submit to him. Humble ourselves before his majesty. We are just a tiny being before his majesty. Let us not think we are smart. We are dependable. We can do anything. No. If he could bring kings and the princes to nothing, who are you and I? We are nothing. And existing only by the grace of God. And let's acknowledge the greatness of God and the depravity and the powerlessness of our creature, creatureliness 
and depend on this grand, majestic God and praise him for who he is. Lord, how great the art, as the song says. The sun that shines for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The moon that is still shining. Not a single day it failed to rise except when Joshua commanded it. Everything is in order because of your grand creation. It is we people who are disordered and making the universe also disordered because of our sin. But thank you so much for the marvelous creation. As Psalm 19 says, heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. So Lord, we are the work of your hands. Thank you for creating this universe. Thank you that you are distinct, high and above this universe. And you are incomparable, invisible, inimitable, invincible, infinite. We praise you, O Majesty, for who you are. Who can boast about their knowledge and strength before this great and magnificent creator? O Lord, it is like an ant boasting about itself before a giant human being. Lord, we thank you for your majesty and open the eyes of our heart to know you, believe in you, grow in you. If there is any person here who has been a nominal Christian, not been genuinely born again, may that person today repent and trust in the work of God, trust in the work of redemption of Christ Jesus on the cross. And Lord, we understand that all this the author of Hebrews has spoken in order to provoke faith in readers to persevere and hope for the eternal inheritance that has been given to those who believe in the death and the resurrection of Christ. And we thank you for this hope of eternal life. If this work of creation that we see now, if this universe that we see now is so grand and astounding to our finite eyes how much more grandeur splendorous majestic the new heavens and the new earth will be and we can't wait to look at it we can't wait to thank you for your majestic work of the hands oh lord you save us from being absorbed in this present world which is cursed and which is sinful may we all eagerly wait for the coming kingdom the coming new heavens and the new earth. The eternal inheritance you, are in, you have in store for us. Oh Lord, may we long for that. And as long as we live in this world, may we spread the gospel and give hope to the lost. To have hope in Christ for the eternal inheritance. Thank you once again for your grand work of creation. And also for the work of redemption. And also for the work of of the new heavens and the new earth. We give you glory, honor, and praise and offer this word of prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message. We believe you have been greatly encouraged in your heart. Stephen David also writes articles that are relevant to today's generation. You may read them on his blog www.messageforourage.blogspot.com I repeat www.messageforourage.blogspot.com
blogspot.com. You may also email him at cstephendavid at gmail.com. I repeat, c-s-t-e-p-h-e-n-d-a-v-i-d at gmail.com. Grace and peace be to you.